Welcome everybody to the Steve Jordan Experience. It is a pleasure to have you here with me and it is a privilege to have my guest, Joel Green. He's the CEO of Pro Level Training. He's the National Director of Nike Sports Camps and a former professional basketball player and he's a renowned motivational speaker, including a TED Talk. Joel, it's awesome to have you here. Thanks for being with me. Steve, thanks so much for having me on, man. Thank you. You got it, man. You got quite a decorated past in history for a, a young man. Not too young, but uh, <laughs> pretty young. Tell me about your beginnings. Where did you grow up and how did you get into basketball? Let's start there. I'm sure that was the the, the kind of beginning. If, the, if I'm, I'm actually assuming, mm-hmm. but if it's not, tell us about you. I mean, that, that's, you know, if I had an origin story, it would include basketball. I'll put it that way, man. So, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia, in North Philadelphia, oh. to be exact. And um, Sorry for your loss if you're, if you're a Philly fan, which oh I can't my goodness. imagine I, you're not. I don't want to talk about it, man. We, we, we're still a little bit in mourning right now. But You know what I want to – let me interrupt you there for a second. I've got a, a client of mine who's from Philly. And he wrote something really poignant. He is a, I mean, die, die hard Philly fan. And he wrote this on his Instagram. And I, I want to just share this because it, it was beautiful, beautifully for all you Philly fans. And even if you're not a Philly fan, it's just, it, it talks about sport. And I bet you, you're going to be really inspired and motivated by this. So he put a picture of Rocky picture, the Rocky like cover album, Okay. Uh, Rocky getting knocked out, and then the World Series picture. He's got this like triage pictures here. And he says, people don't usually give Philadelphia or its citizens credit for being sophisticated. But nearly 50 years after Rocky, just remember that this town has celebrated the guy that lost the fight. They were smart enough to see the true victor, the guy without the belt or the parade. They cheer Rocky because of how he fought. They love him because he looks like them. And they come back for more because they believe in him. I'm so proud of our town, and I truly have loved this past season. If you've had told me in September that we played till Game 6 of the World Series, I would have smiled, and that's exactly how I've looked for the past two months. Just ask all my friends, family, and fellow loyal fans at the bank. Thanks, Philly. Uh, I love it. I like that, man. Pretty cool, right? Absolutely. It's not always about the wins. It's about the the fight, and uh, you've got a lot of fight in you, so let's uh, go back to your story. I appreciate that, man. I'm one that appreciates a journey, you know, and a process. And again, just like you said, we didn't expect to be there. I'll be honest with you, you know, even months, you know, in the recent months. So definitely can take that as as a victory. It just was, it, it broke a lot of hearts here, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, but again, I like how you even tied in Rocky, man. That's the name. Me and my son, we named our dog Rocky after Balboa. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, big time Rocky fan in this house. So, but yeah, man, you know, I started off in Philadelphia and love it. Love where I grew up, you know, proud to be from Philly. And, you know, it it was difficult. It was tough. It was challenging, really competitive just to make it, make it in and make it out, to be honest with you. Mm. But that was, that was a part of my makeup. That's still a part Mm. of my makeup, my DNA. You know, I grew up in an abandoned house in, Mm. in North Philly, you know, that, right there humbled me from the beginning of life. I'll be honest with you, man. The first seven to eight years of my life was in uh, the abandoned home that we moved into. You know, mm. graffiti was on the wall still the entire time that we lived there uh, in some of the rooms. And, you know, we would add to it. We, you know, me and my brothers would have drawing contests on the walls, you know, just because we already had some stuff on the walls. But 
that that was our environment, man. And it, and it made me tougher, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me appreciate, especially as I began getting older and seeing environments outside of where we grew up. It really made me appreciate a couple of things. Number one, what we did have. And also what my parents made us not realize us not having. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but with us not having a whole lot, we never knew it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what it really did for me. And even as I began to attain different things over the years, I still take things away from myself to keep myself in a place of humility, honestly, a place of desperation, because I've always operated in this place of desperation at my best. So I put myself in this place many times on purpose um, to keep the drive there, hunger, things like that. And um to bring basketball into the story, you know, I got into it organized wise around nine years old and um, fell in love with it earlier around three, three or four after I saw Michael J. Fox movie called Team Wolf back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is still my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Who would have thought? Right, I thought you were exactly. going to say like um, the, the Michael Jordan Bugs Bunny one. <laughs> right. Right. Space Jam. Right. Exactly. You know, Space Jam. Yeah. It, it was, it was, Michael J. Fox was one of my first basketball, you know, heroes. It's funny. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, once I got, got into organized ball, um, life changed. You know, it, it just it kept me more disciplined and just having to do and be good off the court so I can stay on the court. And that dynamic w- was a blessing for me, man. And we moved around the same time um, from North Philadelphia. And it just, you know, life just kind of began to – get on a path of discipline for me to just stay focused on basketball, stay focused in school. And I had a bit, a little bit less distraction environmentally. Um, mm-hmm. Still weren't in, you know, in the suburbs or anything, but we were, it was better than where we were. Yeah. And um, basketball just well, kept taking me further and further. Well, I think it's so important to, to acknowledge and, and recognize um, about sport. You know, people look at sport and they see the, the playing part of it, but they don't necessarily see the aspect of keeping you disciplined in other areas of your life. I, for one, was exact same way. Um, I played football in the fall. I wrestled in the winter and I played lacrosse in the, in the spring. But then I I got injured where I didn't go back to wrestling my sophomore year. And I started to mess around. You know, I started to fuck around. There was like, I'm going to get bold here. And I did, I got in trouble. My grades weren't as good. Um, you know, just be like you said, you to be on the court, you have to do good off the court, off, you know, exactly. and it's really important to understand that. I think sport is so important. And perhaps you're not a child or you're not, you know, if you're listening, you're not in school anymore, but it's important to continue movement, to continue exercise, continue some form of activity. You can still play, you know, ball or pick up ball, recreational ball, um, exactly. golf, whatever, tennis, pickleball, whatever it is. And be able to do something so that you can stay active where it's going to keep you sharp in the other areas of your life. Don't you agree? Uh, a thousand percent, man. I mean, that's that's I'm I'm so fortunate to have played sports, not just basketball, just sports overall, man. Again, I three sport as well. Me for me, it was basketball, football, and track and field. And I, I love I'm a track and field fanatic. Like that's just mm-hmm. like if the world games are on or the Olympics are on, I'm in front of the TV for probably three to four hours straight. And my mm-hmm. son knows that. Um, but just again, like you mentioned, the, the discipline after the sport is done and that life after man is key. You know, I still 
you would, if you see my everyday movement, right? And there was a, there was a camera on me, you would think that I'm still a competitive athlete mm. just because of some of the things that I still do that I'm just so conditioned to do. Um, but it's a, it's a good thing. It's a blessing for me because now I, you know, I still wake up early and, and do my best. I train before 6 p.m., 6 a.m. and stuff like that because I got that from sports, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do that might be really um, peculiar? Like I, I, I've trained some professional athletes and, you know, you can go as far as, you know, putting on your sock on the right foot, you know, first and the left foot first. You have these uh, habits that, you you know, almost uh, where you feel like they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the superstitious. Superstitions. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Like a superstition. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't do one thing the same way, like you're not going to play as well. Do you have those? I actually don't, man. Um, you know, one thing I like to do sometimes what I did this morning, I like to work out in silence. Um, you know, if I'm not listening to an audio book or something when I'm working out, something this is going, honestly, it's like a dual exercise, my mental mm-hmm. and I'm getting my physical in on my own. If I'm not doing that, I, I definitely have my playlist of music, but I love many times of where I feel like I need to really regain focus. Like I'm going, I have a good flow going, a great momentum. Even if, it, if it's at its peak, I stop myself. Again, like I told you, sometimes I put myself in an uncomfortable you know, destitute situation on purpose. I'll work out in silence. So for me, it gives me total undivided focus on what I'm doing in front of me. I'm not going to get caught jamming to a song that I like that came on for a second. Like I'm total, I'm, I'm all tuned in. So that's, you know, a peculiar thing that I do. I know most people have their, their headphones on. I'm like, I take them off a lot of times on purpose, just so I can mm-hmm. see how focused I can actually be on what I'm doing all on my own. I think that's great. I, um, I did something similar. So when I go to a gym, um, I, I work out in several different places, but when I go to a gym that I belong to membership, I don't wear earbuds where everybody else is wearing earbuds. Everybody is so unlike in their own world in these earbuds. And now, right. you know, sometimes people wear the big headphones, you right. know, they're completely like out in their own zone. I walk around without anything and I like engage with people and talk to people yeah. if I want to, you know, at least I'm social, mm-hmm. at least I'm there. Right. connected with people for that purpose alone and different reasons or purpose like yours, but I want to be socially connected. I don't want to yeah. be like tuned out all the time, mm-hmm. you know, especially in an environment. Yeah. I only go a couple times a week mm-hmm. to the gym there. Um, but it's nice to talk to people. It's nice to connect. It's one of my social outlets as well as my yeah. workout outlet. Yeah. And look, nowadays you need it, man, coming out of being shut down for, for over a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, any, any, anytime you can socialize with people, I get it, man, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So let's uh let's take you to high school. When did you start recognizing that you had a, you know, you're really talented and the pro level was uh was not far out of reach? I'll be honest, my my ninth grade year. Uh it wasn't that I was the best in the city or anything like that, but I was amongst the best. Uh I made the all-city team as a ninth grader. I was 14 years old, and that spoke a lot to me. Again, being from Philly. You know, you knew you were one of the best basketball cities in the in the country, at least to us. You know, yeah. we, it was like New York City, Chicago, you know, Detroit, things like that. But so for me, I knew if I'm amongst the best in one of the best basketball cities, I'm amongst the best in the country. If you want to break it down that way. So I figured if I can be amongst the best here, I can somehow be funneled into, you know, the professional rankings one day. 
And, you know, once that happened for me, did, can I interrupt you there? Did you, did you have that thought or was it a coach or somebody in your life that planted that seed? That was me. That was awesome. me. You know, I had, you know, have, you know, at the same time, brothers and, you know, my father, you know, we, we all just enjoyed professional basketball, but by that age, it was me. Like I knew what I want. I wanted to be like Mike, man. You know, I wanted to be like Kobe. Um, you know, I, I knew. Who did you want to be like first? Oh, Mike. You know, I, okay. I, you know, my true first, you know, basketball players that I knew of, like you know, outside of Michael J. Fox in the, on the movie, yeah. was was Charles Barkley, Dr. J. Because of the Sixers, you know, mm -hmm. this is we talk, we talking late eighties, early nineties, and then Michael Jordan. So. Those were the guys I knew about first, just as far as NBA, these stars. And so I wanted to be like Michael Jordan, you know, as soon as I saw this old VHS called Come Fly With Me, um, sitting there just watching it and all like, man, this guy is like a, like a deity, man. He's just like, a, he, this, who is this guy? You're right, he's flying. Yeah. And so I knew what I wanted to do uh, really early in life. I knew I wanted to be, you know, if they asked me in school, what do you want to do? Professional basketball player. I want to be in the mm -hmm. NBA. You know, mm -hmm. I, I was saying that. And, um, you know, you had the mindset, you believed it, you had a bit, you visualized it, you saw yeah. it, you believed it before you achieved it. I, and I, I'll be honest with you too. And this is with no arrogance, but I knew I would make, I knew it would happen, you know? And again, this is not even any metaphysical or anything, but I just knew one plus one equal two. I, I knew about cause and effect pretty early in life as far as like, okay, if I put in the work, well, Nobody else is at the playground every day. I'm, I'm there every single day. I got to be better than them. I got to be able to make it out and get a scholarship. So for me, I kind of simplified the process and say, okay, if I put in more work than all my friends and even my opponents, I got to get a scholarship to college. You know, you know, that's what ended up happening. And I said, okay, beyond that, I got to be able to make it to the professional level if I keep doing that same thing. So, And you, you went know, to Ryder, guy. right? You went to Ryder University? At the Ryder. Yep. Yeah, I, I know it well. One of my close friends went there. I'm from Jersey originally, born and raised. Okay, get out. Okay. So I'm a Jersey boy. Uh, uh, Northeast, kind of North uh, Union County up there. Um, exactly. So uh, one of my friends with the Ryder, I visited over there. Great school, beautiful private cool. school. Yeah. yeah what years were you there? Uh, I was there my last two years, 2006 to 2008. Okay. I went through a journey, man, college. I went to four different colleges and finished off, you know, at, at Ryder. Um it wasn't entirely my choice, but, you know, the NCAA said I had to do something called a 424 transfer because I tore my hamstring my freshman year at a division when I went to and, you know, decided to transfer out the next year. They recruited over me while I was injured, while I was hurt. And uh, I was going to go to St. Joe's University, you know, D1 and, and Philly. Very school. And yeah, I was the number one recruit for them coming out of high school, but I just turned them down. So they, they said, we'll still take you back, you know, that type of thing. And the NCAA said, well, hey, look, our rule is when you go from a, a D1 or a four-year to a four-year, you got to red shirt and sit out a year. I'm like, I just did that due to a, a medical red shirt. So they said, well, here's another option if you want to keep playing. You can do what's called a 424 transfer, go from a four-year school into a two-year institution, like a junior college or community college. Then if you're good enough, you can make it back to a four-year institution. Mm. I said, just sign me up. I just want to keep playing. You know what I mean? So I went to a school down in Texas, Paris Junior College in Paris, Texas. Never even heard of this place before. Um, got in town, saw Eiffel Tower with a cowboy, cowboy hat on top of it. It was crazy. <laughs> Uh, it, it was like the crazy, I'm, I'm not even joking, but it was, it was crazy. 
And that's the first time I saw a bale of hay blow across the street, like on a western. I'm like, where? And, and you're from I? Philly. You're like, dude, where am I? I'm like, am I in Kansas? I called home and was like, what? I don't know if I'm going to be here that much longer. But either way, you know, I went down there and won a national championship. And, um, and just to get back closer to home the following year, I still had one more year remaining in this two-year portal, um, transferred to a school called Cecil Community College in Maryland. That way, my parents, my family, could Cecil see. County, right? Cecil County, exactly. Yeah. Now I went to University of Maryland. Ah, there you go. You know, I was there. It. I was there when Joe Smith was there. Oh so, man. So I was. Uh, yeah, Joe Smith. Uh, we were the same. Actually, I know Joe. Uh, That's well, cool. he. Yeah, he's come over to my studio in L.A. a few times. He doesn't live there now. He's okay down in uh, Florida, I think. But or Georgia, I think Georgia actually. Okay. But yeah, he. We were the same year, ninety three. He. I, was, I, I think he was like. Right. Yeah, I was there in 93, and he – I think he was two and done. I, I think he – I think you're I think right. Was, yeah, I think it was two years, and then he went over to the NBA. Yeah, Golden State, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he exactly. got a couple of championship titles with uh, the Lakers. Exactly, man. I'm, yeah. One of my favorite players when I was younger, man. I mean, I, I – Joe Smith was? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. man. Cool. You're smooth, you know, small forward. You can just hoop. Well I'll, well, I'll tell you what, when uh, when we do this, I will, when, when this is recorded, I will send him a text with our link to this podcast and make sure that he listens to this. Appreciate and if you that. want me to connect sure. you to, I will do that. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great, man. Connected with quite a few people now that, you know, again, grew up admiring, got a chance yeah. to play against a lot of the guys, you know, through NBA workouts and just things like that. Um, recently got a chance to hoop with like Richard Hamilton, some other guys, Ben Wallace, um, some different events, but, um, yeah, that, that'd be awesome, man. Cool. So, um, I'm sorry to interrupt and we kind of went off uh, on a tangent there. Uh, uh, so your, your four, two, four college oh, sort of, yeah. uh, transition. It, so you, ended up at, you ended up in Ryder. Let's, that's kind of boring stuff. It's not, not to say it's boring, but let's get <laughs> to the, let's get to the pros, the NBA. Sure. What, what's going, where, where did that happen? How, how did you go into the draft? I mean, well, so for me, I went undrafted. I was undrafted. Um, it was a you know tough senior year for me. But again, I, I was didn't lose any skill. So um, coming out of my senior year, 2008, you know, I just said, okay, undrafted, already had some opportunities, you know, this is probably two years prior to work out with a lot of NBA guys, you know, had some different connections through Europe, you know, and NBA stuff like that, agents. So I went out over to Europe and um, started my rookie season over in uh, Limerick, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Uh, over in Cork, over there. Uh, great experience. Definitely not like Texas. Definitely not like Texas whatsoever. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, it, it was a really cool time. They treated me well. Um, and I was the guy, you know, walking around. And they kids followed me home, followed me back to my apartment, my cool. flat over there. You know, it's just it, it was a cool experience. Um, I got it. I have to bring this up because you brought up Rocky earlier. I, I was followed home by like eight kids one day over in Ireland. They said, hey, you're, you're the American, right? I said, yeah, that plays for the basketball. I said, yeah. So they said, you know, where are you from? I said, I'm from Philadelphia in the States. And they said, oh, like Rocky. They started all started punching. They said, they said, do you know him? Have you ever met Rocky? They, they thought he was real. Wow. They were probably around 10 or 12 years old. And I, wow. I couldn't break their heart. I didn't want to say he's an actor, you know. So, yeah. You know, I said, no, I never met him, you know. Oh, but, that's cool, um, man. That's cool of you to do that and think about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't break their heart, man. I said, I'm not going to do that to them. But 
Um, yeah, you know, it was experiences like that. Went from Ireland, I, I played in Spain, Malaga, Spain. I mm -hmm. had an NBA development league contract in 2010 and uh, went to Venezuela. Just kind of made my rounds, man. Each year, was in training camp with the Sixers for about two months uh, mm -hmm. in Philly. And it was just something different every year. Man, I started falling in love with just, again, the process of things and just being able to see the world. Mm -hmm. And then you, 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 you transitioned into a, an extraordinary professional career so far outside of basketball. Uh, a TED Talk, which is not easy to get. Motivational speaker. You're an author now of a new book called Filtered. Um, or I don't know if it's new, but a book called Filtered. Um, and then you're the uh, director of the Nike camp, of Nike uh, athletic camps. Is it all the camps or just basketball? Well, no. So we, my company, so my company, you know, pro level training, we're partners with Nike. And over the years, I've been given a new title as far as the national director, you know, with Nike sports camps. So we have, we cover about seven or eight different sports. Um, I believe it's eight now. So, you know, lacrosse, soccer basketball, football. Mm -hmm. We cover a lot of sports now. Um, basketball was the initial, you know, that's my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have track, track and field camps and things like that. But uh, again, for me, with the camps that we run, I'm just trying to get into these kids' heads, man. That's every person that I hire and bring on around the country, you know, we have about, we'll have close to, you know, 70, maybe close to 80 camps this coming year, 2023, around the country. Mm -hmm. We're in about whew, 16 states. Uh, wow. about 40 cities across the country. So, you know, my company, we just, we bring on different people and, uh, you know, we just say, all right, look, here, here's a way that we can get into these kids' minds and help develop them and get them ready for life beyond sport, but within the sport as well, while they're presently in it. And just teach them about life, um, goal setting and beyond just how to work their behinds off, man. I mean, that's yeah. the, when it comes down to it, I tell every single person, we have to teach these kids how to work hard. And then at the end of the week, let them know how they can apply this work ethic to life, period. Mm -hmm. Got to be the hardest worker in the in the room. And uh, I, I believe in that as well. And that's part of what sport is, too, because you, if you want to sit on the sideline, you, you know, then, then so be it. But you go to play sure. sport and you get on a team to play and you got to work to, to get out there. So there's Absolutely. a lot of competition and it's uh, it's friendly competition. It's competition within yourself, competition within your teammates. Uh, but it's awesome. It, it lifts you up, you know, and exactly. I think it's so important. Um, what would you, if you can, so mindset is huge. And I, I just wrote a book called 22 ways to optimal health and fitness. And right. mindset is a big part of what I teach. People will say, you know, what's your like kind of training modality? I'm, I'm functional training is mm -hmm. what I am great at, uh, performance training, but it's more about the mindset that I like, because you can do all the kind of training in the world. You could have the best program. You can do anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, but if you don't have the right mindset, you're not going to get to your goal. So exactly. it starts with the mindset. And I love how you said that. So I want to ask you, if you were sharing you know, to this group, this audience, the listeners here, what would be a few tips or advices or um, yeah, just what ways that you would share about mindset or delivering that, you know, speech or helping, uh, your camp attendees, what would you say to them? How could you motivate us to think more about our mindset? Well, th there's a, man, I believe it's chapter 11 in my, in my book filtering. It's, it's, it's called focus on the journey, right? Mm -hmm. For me, that's a huge part of it. 
to where everybody just wants the end, the end, the end, the end result. And it's not about that. It's really not about the end result. It's about what gets you there, the process of getting there, because so much if we just want to skip ahead to the end and we overlook the process of that means we're depreciating everything that it actually takes to get us there. So if you were just magically given the end as far as, let's say, surgery, right, then that means you don't know what actually truly got you to that point. So now you'll probably end up backtracking at some point, you know, because you don't actually know what it takes to get you to that end result that that doctor magically gave you. So you yep. got to really focus on the journey of getting yourself to a desired end and appreciate that process because that's what will add to the longstanding longevity with that end result. You know, I don't want to be given anything. I want, I'll be honest, I'm at a stage now to, I, I want to earn everything that I desire to get. Like I want to deserve my success. And um, that's one thing I tell people all the time. You got to deserve your success, man. I'm, I'm not going to give you anything. I'm going to give you the tools. If you don't want just if you don't if you want anything else beyond the tools from me, go somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not I'm gonna give you the tools and the mindset. Yeah. And um, but that's what I tell people all the time, man. You gotta focus on enjoying the journey. And if you can't enjoy it, ask yourself, can you endure it? Mm-hmm. If that answer is yes, take one more step. You know what I mean? And you'll realize that you will enjoy it on the other side of that hard work. I uh, I agree with you 100%. In, in my book, 22 Ways to Optimal Health and Fitness, Chapter 16, Enjoy the Journey. Get out of here. Yeah, Amazing, man. man. And it's, uh, each chapter has a quote, and this quote is by one of my former clients, Quincy Jones, who you might be familiar with. Absolutely. Uh, legendary. Uh, the process is the most beautiful part. Love it, man. Quote by Quincy Jones. And, um, yeah, so important. We all get caught up on the end result yep. and, uh, we lose sight of what's really in our, in our present moment and, uh, really enjoying that process. And exactly, it's uh, so important, you know, you obviously want to have that vision, you know, that mm-hmm. goal, whatever it is you want to achieve it's sport. You know, you want to win that, win that season. You want to win that right. game. You want to score that touchdown, you know, uh, throw down those free throws, whatever it is, but it's that process in between that's right. so important that makes you present. And today, I mean, you know, Joel, we're not present, man. We got no, these devices right. in our hands. People exactly. are not present. That's, you know, the earphone, earbuds in the, mm-hmm. in the gym, you know, it's just exactly. kind of or silent workouts, being present in the moment, practicing yeah. that presence. Exactly, man. Again, I'm just going to have some fun with it only because I, I brought it up a thousand times already. But look at the Rocky movies, right? So what do people remember most about the Rocky movies? They remember the montages, mm-hmm. the journey, the process of things. They don't talk about the championship fights all the time that he had, the right. boss that he had, him losing or winning. He always talk about, oh, my favorite part of the movie is when he's driving around or something, he's thinking about who knows what, you know, it's those montages when, he, when he's training and, you know, when, he, when we see them working hard, that's the most motivating part of the movie. It's the journey of it. And if we just apply that to our own lives, we'll realize that that would then be the most motivating part of our lives for somebody else if we stick to whatever we're working toward. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a firm believer in that we don't, we're not here for ourselves, man. We're here for somebody else. We're here to help yeah. other people, that's you know, right. in some form or fashion, just, you know, be an inspiration for somebody else that's, that's, that's kind of, that's watching us. That's right. That's what this podcast is, man. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it takes a lot of effort to get paid by a book, right? You don't make 
Absolutely. you don't make a lot of money with the book unless you're a New York Times bestselling author, um, exactly. which is really it's like hitting the lottery to get to get <laughs> right. that. You know, podcasts. There's hundred thousands of podcasts out there unless you're Joe Rogan or mm. someone in the top ten. You're not making any money on endorsements, right. so it's a passion project and. It's just part of the process. It's en- it's enjoyable to meet people. I never would have met you if I had never done this. Sure. Never would have met the other 190 guests that I've had on my on my show over the past four and a half years. So all oh. these things, you know, like it doesn't matter about the end results. Um, I had a, um, a a thought and a question. What was well, it's escaping me right now before I went off on that tangent. Oh, I do know this. Deep question here. Deep question. So what? If anything in your life, if it's past, present, has thrown you out of your present moment, has thrown you out of your, like, being present in the journey, like, is there something that kind of catches your attention that throws you off that you need to be really mindful about, or you need to, like, reel it in or keep that whatever it is away from you so that you can stay, you know, present and being able to be in that, you know, the process of enjoying the journey. I'll say this. There's not one consistent thing uh, at all. I can tell you of an example that did happen and something that I do try to avoid. But um, when I was 17 years old, you know, one of my older brothers, I'm the youngest of, of four. And, you know, one of my, my older brother, Kevin, he, he tragically died out, you know, just, sorry it was no I, I appreciate that um but at 17 years old that just threw me way off course you know i was on a good path you know basketball wise was all city three years prior you know and just he's one of my biggest fans you know what i mean he was the one that would take me to the basketball court a lot of times try to coach me on different things and um when that happened i'm like oh shoot you know, he was the one that started me off with trade, you know, buying basketball cards and stuff like that and really getting me into the game as a historian of the game. Like, seriously, he, we would have to study the back of basketball cards and test each other. So I'm like, man, who do I talk to about that stuff now? Like who I have, you know, I have another brother, but he wasn't really into ball. He's an artist. And I'm like, man, that's my basketball person. You know what I mean? You know, my dad, he would, you know, show me things. But, you know, you're talking about a brother, somebody at your your, your age. Yeah. Um. So I I, I shut down. You know, I, I was thrown off course uh, for, for a good while, for weeks. Didn't go emotionally to shut down emotionally, emotionally, mentally, spiritually as well. Um. Just first time in my life, I questioned God. Hmm. First time in my life. And uh, and I grew up under, under pastors. My parents are ministers, man. So, I mean, I, I never did that. But that was the first time I was like, God, like, why? Why? You know what I mean? You know, him? You know, just kind of, I, I went through it. And, um, but just that right there, you know, honestly, again, I opened my book discussing that morning of mm-hmm. what happened to my brother. And that, me going through something 17 or so years later, you know, led me to writing my book filtering, you know, the subtitle is the way to extract strength from the struggle. So that moment, what I went through concerning my brother as difficult as it was, that moment made me a beast beyond that point. Hmm. I'll be honest with you. Um, the moment I got refocused, I, I started doing everything for him. Hmm. And it just was such a motivating thing. As crazy as that sounds, I said, I'm gonna make sure I make him so pleased 
to see everything that I'm doing down here. I started doing things I never did before. I made the honor roll for the first time in my life academically, mm-hmm. like literally four months after that point. Um, this was my senior year of high school. I got a college division one scholarship at college and just started doing things, man. I said, okay, I'm gonna make sure this is just my, my MO. Mm-hmm. But um, beyond that, something that I do avoid that could throw me off track, and I am aware of it, is complacency. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware of what gets me there. So I'm always, like I even mentioned earlier to you, I'll put myself in a place of almost discomfort, of desperation to avoid being compla- becoming complacent. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I don't have any fears, but I'm hesitant when it comes to complacency, man. I just know what it can do. I've been there, I've done it before. So I, mm-hmm. I've celebrated for too long, things like mm-hmm. that, to where it's like mm-hmm. all of a sudden when I could have gotten better, I stayed exactly the same. And I, I'm like, ah, I should have been putting in more work. So that is one thing that I avoid. I like that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that, uh, you know, emotional uh, story of the loss of your brother and finding strength in that struggle. And yeah, I, 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 I'm similar to you in that respect about complacency, you know, celebrating. It's important to celebrate. I actually, another chapter of my book, you need to celebrate. You know, you're even the small victories. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people don't do that. You know, they go, 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 go. They never right. stop to acknowledge what they're doing, even your workouts, right? So exactly. uh, when I lead my workouts, um, I also do a virtual class. At the end of the workout, I always say, you know, now's the time for you to acknowledge your commitment to be here. You could have been somewhere else totally. You had, you know, this on your schedule. You could have gotten derailed, whatever it is. You put in the effort, even if it wasn't your best workout, you showed up and that's half the battle. So, you know, it's so important okay. to not get complacent and to celebrate those, uh, you know, small victories along the way, yeah. but continue to work and make those micro progressions so that you can continue to grow. And when you grow, as you said in the, earlier in this, uh, in the show, to give, that's yeah. what we're here for. You know, you grow, you're going to give. And when you okay. give, you grow. It's this symbiotic reciprocal relationship give and grow grow and give exactly man again i I had i'll be honest i had to learn how to celebrate you know because i i was i would be so locked in to what's next right Mm -hmm. seriously you know i i I had a conversation i I was fortunate to talk to kobe bryant for about 30 minutes one day when i I was 16 years old Mm -hmm. and it was just me him and my dad right and, you know, he just kept giving me all this advice, all this advice. And, you know, he told me a couple of things. But the one thing I, you know, I remember, you know, the most was that, you know, he told me I have to be willing to see black. And I was telling somebody recently how scary of a thing that was to hear because I'm like, I didn't get it. You know, this, he already had one. He just won his first championship. This was in like 2001. So he's about 22 or so at the time. But he was he was Kobe already. Like we already knew him. He was five years right. into his career. Um, so he knew what he was talking about. And after that point, I was so locked in, you know what I mean? To where it's like, I gotta be willing to, to tap out. I gotta be willing to take a knee and just say, I'm done. Hmm. Going that hard is what it became about for me. So anytime I would achieve something, I already knew that there was a next level of it. And that's where my mind went to was like, okay, y'all can celebrate. I'm already working towards this next part of, of the journey of the mission and I wouldn't celebrate, man. I'm t- mm-hmm. like, see, I'm talking about everybody may go out. I didn't want to go to prime. I'm like, I want to be in a gym. So it was just different things to where my focus was so just, I was in the moment, 
but I was still always working towards that uh, that next objective to where I really did have to learn how to celebrate, even for a moment. Yeah. I wouldn't celebrate even for a moment. So even with the championships I won, I won two national championships in, in you know on the junior college side of things and won a championship at Ryder. So it was like I wouldn't celebrate though. I would let everybody else do it. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm back in the gym. You yeah, know, but I had to learn true. how to take at least a fraction to, to enjoy it. You know, as I look back, I'm like, ah, I should have celebrated a little bit more. Yeah. So now, you know, I'm, I'm, I celebrate things. I let myself enjoy, but not completely let go of the next level of what is to come. Cool. What is the next level for you? The next level is, 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 a, is international with everything that I do. So when it comes down to speaking, speaking internationally, when it comes down to the camps that we have and the sporting events that we have to hold them internationally. We are internationally now. We're, you know, cousins of the North, you know, we're, we're in Canada, you know, my company pro level training, but, you know, I want to expand it to Europe, uh, then from Europe into South America. So uh, we have some things that's already in the works. And so that's the next, that's what's next for us. Um, staying in the lane of what we have going on. And also I have a, a company, a foundation that I'm starting called Urban Success that um finally have the rights for after like three years of trying to get the rights to this thing um it's just literally to help kids to become ceos man you know kids from the inner cities where i come from you know i've been described as an urban success i say i want to do that with other kids and again as you mentioned instill the proper mindset into these kids teach them about the stock market teach them about how to build wealth for themselves because we don't think about wealth where i come from we think about survival, you know, being honest. Mm-hmm. So I want to teach these kids how to think about beyond the age of 20. And um, just, again, urban success also spells us. So it's just oh. really making them nice. feel like, man, this is, this is for us. So that's, that's what's next up for me, for me man, and, and, and honestly for us, you know, to where you can just really build a community and, and, and world of just like an amazing generation to come. Awesome. Tell us about Filters, your book. Mm-hmm. So filtering. Give us an insight. Give us an insight. I think you gave us a little bit of that already, but tell us what motivated you to write it and what uh, you can get from it and gain from reading that. Yeah, I mean, you'll get quite a bit from, from reading filtering. Again, it, the filtering is in itself is it's a method, it's a tool, a protocol, you know, that will help you amidst a problem that you're going through. Like, I feel like so many times we wait on hindsight to reveal the answers to us to so much of what we go through that we, we miss out on actually receiving the fruits in the present moment. So filtering for me came about because I was just going through a whole lot of life about eight years ago. Um, just released this past September. I was writing it for six years, you wow. know, started going through some things about eight years ago though, and potential divorce and was going through separation and all these, there's a whole lot of life while being a father and, you know, I'm like, man, I was just searching for answers, transitioning out of sport, trying to find this new identity, who I am, who am I? I know I'm more than an athlete, but I don't know in what avenue, you know, I have a psych- psychology degree, but nobody cares, you know? So it was just a whole lot of things I was going through and just began searching for answers. I, mean, I began reading nine books every three weeks and just, you know, taking as much as possible. And I just began writing you know, in this Word document, just contributing to this Word document that I had. It just kept growing and growing, thousands of words. And it wasn't until everybody said, look, you, you need to put a book out there because I was already speaking from the stage and telling people about what filtering is. It's a whole tool that I developed for myself, just an emotional 
brainstorming phase that you can take yourself into to break your circumstances down to simplify them. Because I was overwhelmed. So I had to have a way for myself to not be overwhelmed. So by way of filtering your circumstances, you break it all down for yourself and you take from it exactly what's needed and you leave the rest behind. That can be a bad situation or a good situation for me. I had to really begin leaning into my dark moments. You know what I mean? Because I would run from them. I would try to ignore them and act like it didn't happen. The moment I leaned into them and extracted from them what I needed, what I extracted actually pushed me over to the other side. Mm. And that's what I began teaching people. And just the whole overall filtering process, man, has been a blessing for me and so many others from the stage to where I had to write about it and just talk about how I overcame that. You know, I was 10 feet away from a shooting when I was six years old and there was nobody else there outside the kid that got shot in the two shooters. Mm. So it was like, Talk, had a knife pulled out on me, caught a, the N-word when I was nine. Going through things like that, people were wondering, how did you get through it? I'm like, here's what I did. So I figured I'd put this stuff you know, in black and white and um, had to make it plain for people. And I've been getting some you know, amazing reviews back, which has been the most fulfilling part of it. Just people saying, wow, that part or this part really changed my mindset. This part is changing my life as I'm reading it. it it's been a blessing, man. Awesome. And that's skipping and growing and continuing down your journey to you, you're giving your story, you're sharing your story, the, the strategies you've used in your life to help others. And in return, you're helping yourself grow. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I find so many similarities uh, with you, Joel, and the same process of writing a book about six years, been writing a book, you know, and uh, finally it came together. Uh, do you know, who Joel Osteen is absolutely. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, somebody that I've used, listened to, read some of his books mm -hmm. um, in some of my darkest moments. Mm -hmm. And I was on his mailing list and I got an email. Uh, and this is in my book. It's in the kind of the yeah. preface. I actually acknowledged Joel for it. Uh, he had this book coming out that he was promoting called 55 Ways to Be Blessed and Not Stressed. Okay. And I had written two different versions of a book and I had given it to a book agent, uh, very like, strong book agent at William Morris Endeavor. And he like okay. boo hooed it. He was like, man, he, he basically was like, this is terrible. Wow. Um, you know, when, in, a, in a way, in, in, in a nice way, um, <laughs> right, right, right. you know, it just, it, it, he just said it didn't have any flow, you know, it right. had no flow. Uh, the story was there, just didn't have flow. And so he said to rework it and, you know, you get revolt, you get a result like that after putting so much effort into it. You lose your mojo, right. man, you lose your confidence right. and, you know, just kind of lost it. So, after seeing this Joel Osteen um, email, I was like, you know, I should do that. And uh, probably like you, I'm like, you know what? This is a good idea. Like, this is palatable. Like, I can do this and I can finish it. It's short, achievable goals, mm -hmm. right? The journey. Right. And I'm always giving people these tips and tricks on how to hack their life. Like, I've been yeah. hacking people's, you know, the the book, you know, the, you know, the whole like uh, bio biohacking now and yeah, right. mindset hacking. Like, I've been <laughs> hacking people for... 30 years, you know, exactly. in my career. And so I'm like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do 99 ways because I need 99, right? Yeah. And I wrote the first one and I'm like, I'm never right. going to finish this. Like, it's going to take me forever. <laughs> you know, right. like, I'm going to do exactly what I'm going to be. It's going to be another six years before I finish it. So I yeah. looked up, you know, the power of numbers in 22. Mm. We were in the year 2022 and uh, 22 happened to be a powerful number in marketing and the subconscious mind. So I chose 22 and I put a bonus in there because that's just me to make it. Like, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, 
the, 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 the point is, is it took me that long also, you know, and I yeah. had to be inspired by something. It's not an easy task. It's very no. challenging and exactly. self-publishing as well. I don't know if you did that, but like, it's, you know, formatting and the, and the editing and Everything. it's costly too. You know, absolutely very absolutely. costly um you know and that's why i say you're not going to get rich i'm hoping to make my money back on my, <laughs> right. on my investment right you right, know right. And, and, you, and it does because it shows up in other ways and exactly. you know public speaking and other opportunities and whatnot and again it's not focusing on the money it's focusing on the process and helping people yeah. you know and the money will come i have mm -hmm. a saying and i'm sure you've heard this before but i'm going to say it uh to the audience listening you um it, it's uh, do what you love and the money will follow Right. So do what you love, you know, no matter if it's ba weaving baskets. Right. If you do love that, do it and do it with all your heart and heart and soul and love it and be passionate about it. And the money will follow. Someone will oh. see that and they'll be yeah. like, that's the best basket in the world. And they'll carry it in Neiman Marcus. And, yeah. you know, you'll be making millions of dollars from it. And then I mean, some big company will buy it. I mean, it's, it's hard. To, it's hard to not notice consistency, period. I was talking to a group recently about that. I'm like, it is so difficult to not notice consistency. Even whether you're consistently bad or good, I'm going to notice you. You, you. you will hope that someone's doing some good consistently, but whatever you're doing, number one, I will hope you do a little bit of homework before you get to work, but whatever you're doing, just be consistent with it. And I, I can't agree more, man. It's, that's really what it's about. And it's, again, it, it wasn't easy, you know, completing this book, but as I got to the end, I'm like, oh, this is this is gonna be good. I can't wait to get this thing out there. But like you said, there's so many parts, you know, so publishing, there's so many parts of this thing, you know, the cover and all, all those things, man. But absolutely. Well, look at chapter number four, man. I, again, I feel like be consistent. Wow, amazing, man. <laughs> you know, it's we're we're, we're, we're we're I feel like we're brothers from another mother, cut from Seriously, the same cloth, man. man. Because there's been a lot of struggles in my life that has got me to where I'm at. And I'd love to share that story with you another day. But this is, it's been an awesome experience sharing with you and, and talking to you about this and your struggles and your triumphs and your, not your, your ability to take all that and do exceptionally well, extraordinary well in your life. And I acknowledge you for all of your achievements and, and, you know, sit here as well and encourage you to continue down the path that you're going. Not that you need that encouragement, but. You I'll know, hey, it, it doesn't hurt to hear it from a, you know, a, a colleague, a friend, a, you yeah. know, someone that connected with, man, keep going for it. I believe in you and I know that you're going to be up to great things. I'm excited to see what else unfolds for you in your life. No, I appreciate it, Steve. Truly, man. Look, I, I can't hear that enough. You know, I, look, I, if I can encourage you, tell me, look, again, this is we all need it. We all need it, you know, because I, I know how I am on myself. I'm hard on myself on purpose, though, you know, for good reason. Like I told you, I want to make sure I'm not being complacent. But sometimes I need people to say, hey, look, pat yourself on the back. Hey, look, stop for a second. Celebrate it. Hey, look, keep going. We all need those reminders, man. So I appreciate it. You got it, my man. I appreciate you being here. Everybody grab that book. It is on your website, Joel Green. Green is spelt just as you would imagine it. Green with two E's dot com backslash shop. Go to Joel Green backslash shop. And uh, pick up your copy. I'm definitely, I want to get an autographed copy from you, my man. So yeah, For sure, man. Again, <laughs> we're, we're, we're on, on Amazon now as well. It'll be at joelbgreen.com or Amazon, Barnes & Noble. So I definitely, you, you, you'll definitely be getting a copy, man, for yeah, sure. I'm, I'm going to send you one as well. So um, thank you for being here. Thank you for the share. Thank you, everybody, for listening. 
If you haven't yet rated the podcast, please do. If you're listening for the first time, it means a lot to Joel and I that you rate that podcast, not just me, because when you rate this podcast, it gets everybody else out there the opportunity to listen to it. It's you giving to be able to help possibly somebody else that needs to hear this lesson and need to hear this, this podcast. You could be saving somebody's life, literally. So thank you for listening. Until next time, stay healthy and fit.